48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top stories, the government is defending a welfare programme aimed at encouraging elderly people to find work from criticism that it's mean and uncaring. The Constitutional Affairs Minister plays down concerns about teaching the national anthem in international schools and the longest government shutdown in US history has been brought to a temporary end. The government is defending a programme that deducts $200 a month from welfare recipients if they don't participate in a scheme to help able-bodied recipients find work. The programme isn't new, but will now apply to those aged 60 to 64, after the government raised the lower age limit for elderly CSSA payments to 65. Wendy Wong reports. The self-reliance scheme requires those who collect payments under the Comprehensive Social Security Assistance Scheme, or CSSA, to meet a social worker every two months to get help finding a job. Failing to do so will see their monthly welfare payment docked by $200. Chief Secretary Matthew Chung says the arrangements have always been there for CSSA recipients, and the deduction aims to encourage them to find jobs in a humane and considerate way. He says that the government will be encouraging employers to hire people aged to between 60 and 64. The Secretary for Labour and Welfare, Law Chi Kuong, also defended the programme from critics who have called it mean and uncaring. Mr Law described the $200 deduction as nominal and symbolic. That requirement is quite minimal. Basically, they're only required to see the social worker once every two months. And if they fail to do so without uh, any reasonable excuses for not able to do that, uh, that would be a deduction of $200. And that is only very nominal and symbolic. And we just want the people to know that we will try our very best to help them. There is no particular reason for actually punishing them. The chairman of the hospital authority, John Leong, says he feels distressed and sorry about the acute manpower shortage at public hospitals. Professor Leong said the authority has tried its best to tackle the long-standing problem, but there is no quick fix. Doctors at public hospitals will be airing their grievances about the situation this afternoon at a forum, which will be attended by Health Secretary Sophia Chan. Professor Leong also apologised to patients at overcrowded public hospitals during this winter flu season. Constitutional Affairs Minister Patrick Nip has played down concerns that international schools may face difficulty complying with a proposed national anthem law. The Legislative Council is scrutinising the legislation, which criminalises disrespect or misuse of the national anthem. All local schools, including international and special needs schools, will be required to teach students about the anthem. Mr Nip says he doesn't think there will be any problems. I don't think the international school would have any major difficulties in uh, doing that because the international school themselves are also embracing the uh, diversities and uh, respect for uh, others, uh, especially the signs and symbols of countries, etc. So we will uh, follow up on that. In actual implementation, it would be school-based, rely on the professional expertise and uh, judgments of the schools and teachers. And if they have any uh, problem, Education Bureau will provide all the necessary support to them. Both houses of the US Congress have unanimously passed a bill to fund the federal government for the next three weeks. President Donald Trump agreed to a bipartisan deal to end the longest government shutdown in history without securing the 5.7 billion US dollars he wanted for a wall along the Mexican border. The Senate Democratic leader, Chuck Schumer, said his party got the resolution it wanted. The longest shutdown in American history will finally end today. The president has agreed to our request to open the government and then debate border security. 
which is great news for 800,000 federal workers and millions of Americans who depend on government services. But Mr Trump warned that without what he called a fair deal from Congress, the shutdown could resume. We really have no choice but to build a powerful wall or steel barrier. If we don't get a fair deal from Congress, the government will either shut down on February 15th again, or I will use the powers afforded to me under the laws and the Constitution of the United States to address this emergency. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. The former Trump campaign adviser, Roger Stone, says he will plead not guilty to charges of witness tampering, obstruction and lying to Congress. After appearing in court in Florida, Mr Stone told the waiting media that US special counsel Robert Mueller was politically motivated in bringing charges against him. He's been released on bail. Democratic Congressman Andre Carson, who sits on the House Intelligence Committee, gave his reaction. Honestly, I'm not surprised. I think that... Trump campaign advisors and associates have, they've established a pattern of lying to investigators. We have Flynn, we have Cohen, we have Manafort, now Roger Stone. There there seems to be a theme emerging. Those associated with the Trump campaign seem to believe that they were above the law. The governor of the Brazilian state of Minas Gerais, where a dam in an iron ore mine complex has collapsed, says there is little chance of finding further survivors. Romeo Zema said all efforts were focused on finding 150 missing workers. The BBC's Julia Carnero reports. A sea of slides swept through a green rural area near the city of Brumadinho, swallowing everything in its track. It was a regular weekday, with over 400 workers busy at the local Vale headquarters, many having lunch in the cafeteria, which was buried. The Vale CEO, Fabio Schwarzman, said it was unclear why the dam collapsed. He said it was a human tragedy and a large number of victims were expected. The government has set up a crisis cabinet and firefighters will continue rescue operations today. The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has appointed a veteran former diplomat as his envoy to deal with the crisis in Venezuela. He said Elliot Abrams would be responsible for all U.S. efforts to restore democracy in Venezuela. Mr. Abrams is a controversial neoconservative who was in charge of Latin American policy under Ronald Reagan. The announcement comes two days after Washington recognised the Venezuelan opposition leader, Juan Guaido, as the country's legitimate president. Mr. Pompeo has urged other countries to follow the U.S. example. We think every country ought to recognize the uh, constitutional leader of Venezuela, and that's who the United States has concluded Juan Guaido is. Uh, So whether it is Mexico or Uruguay or any other country, we hope to work with them to achieve this end, that we can ultimately have a free and fair election in Venezuela where the voices of the Venezuelan people, who under the Maduro regime have been starved, Sports news now. In the English FA Cup fourth round, last year's beaten finalists, Manchester United, have knocked out Arsenal after a 3-1 win at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal striker Pierre Ombayeza yang made a goal to make it 2-1 just before half-time, gave the home side a glimmer of hope. But a second-half goal from substitute Anthony Marshall sealed United's place in the last 16. And the BBC's Steve Crossman has a preview of the rest of this weekend's football action. 
let me tell you, this weekend is all about the most special domestic club football competition in the world. And that is the FA Cup, because it means you get teams like Newport County. Not heard of them? Don't worry, lots of people in the UK haven't either. They are a non-league team, an amateur club, who get to come up this weekend in the fourth round of the FA Cup against Middlesbrough, a team who were in the Premier League just a couple of years ago. There's also some pretty difficult ties for some of the big boys. There's two all-Premier League games. For example, Newcastle United have been struggling in the Premier League, but have improved a little bit of late. They face Watford and Tottenham Hotspur knocked out of the League Cup at the semi-final stage. People saying Rizzio Pochettino needs a trophy this season. Well, they are away to Crystal Palace, so they get to stay in the capital in London, but they've got to face a Premier League team. Chelsea, who beat them, beat Spurs to get to the final of the League Cup at home to Sheffield Wednesday of the second tier in England. More football, where Qatar and the United Arab Emirates will meet in a politically charged semi-final at the Asian Cup after they knocked out the two favourites last night. Qatar, the 2022 World Cup host nation, reached the last four of Asia's continental showpiece for the first time by beating two-time champions South Korea 1-0. The UAE defeated title holders Australia by the same score to set up a meeting with Qatar in Abu Dhabi on Tuesday. Iran and Japan face each other in the other semi-final. Cricket, England needed a mammoth total to prevent defeat in the first test against the West Indies in Barbados. As stumps on day three, England were 56 without, without loss, trailing the West Indies by 572 runs. The hosts had bowled England out for just 77 in their first innings for a 212-run lead. Then they added to that by scoring 415, with captain Jason Holder scoring an unbeaten double century. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The government is defending a welfare programme aimed at encouraging elderly people to find work from criticism that it's mean and uncaring. The Constitutional Affairs Minister plays down concerns about teaching the national anthem in international schools and the longest government shutdown in US history has been brought to a temporary end. That's the news from RTHK. Radio. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3pm. This week we have a new selection of hot new tracks from a lot of places on the planet. We have a new selection of international cooperations, genre fusions, mashups and blendings from Mexico to South Africa, Togo to Brazil and more. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And we start off with our first track, another international cooperation from Puerto Rico to the U.S. on both coasts and includes DJ Luyan from Carolina, Puerto Rico and his band Mambo Kings. Both of them have the label that's released the new track. We'll get to that. And Anuel A.A., stage name for Emmanuel Gasme Santiago. He's a... He's a criminal rapper from Puerto Rico. He released his first full-length album, Real Hasta la Muerte, Real Until Death, uh, recorded in prison. That's another story. And they're all accompanied by Becky G, stage name for Rebecca Mary Gomez, uh, also an actress. They've been recording for the past eight years from California, and uh, her grandparents on both sides are from Mexico. And uh, Mr. Prince Royce, uh, Jeffrey Royce Rojas, to give him his birth name, and he's from the... Bronx in New York from Dominican parents. So it's Caribbean US and the track is called Babalu. 